Section 22 of Essays on Art. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Beth Blakely. Essays on Art by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Translated by Samuel Gray Ward. Section 22. Rosalia's Sanctuary. St. Rosalia, patron saint of Palermo, is so generally known by the description Bridone gives of her festival, that some account of the spot specially consecrated to her service may not be uninteresting. Monte Pellegrino is a huge mass of rock, broader than it is high, lying at the northwesterly end of the Gulf of Palermo. It is impossible to convey in words an idea of its exquisite outline, an imperfect representation of it may be seen in the Voyage Pitteresse de la Sicile, it consists of grey limestone of the oldest formation. The rock is bare with the exception of a little turf and moss that grow on the level portions. About the commencement of the last century, the bones of the saint were discovered in a cave on this mountain and carried to Palermo. Their presence banished the plague from the city, and Rosalia became from that moment the patron saint of the people. Chapels were built to her, and splendid festivities instituted in her honor. The devout made assiduous pilgrimages to the mountains, and a pathway was built at a great expense, resting like an aqueduct upon pillars and ascending zigzag between two cliffs. The consecrated spot is more in keeping with the humility of the saint who fled to it than is the pompous festival instituted to celebrate her complete renunciation of the world, and perhaps all Christendom, after having for eighteen hundred years built its wealth, its splendor, its festive rejoicings upon the sufferings of its first founders and most ardent professors, has no other holy place to show which is adorned and reverenced with so much innocence and feeling. When you have ascended the mountain, you turn round a corner and find yourself opposite to a steep wall of rock, directly against which the church and cloister are built. The outside of the church is neither inviting nor promising. You open the door without expectation being aroused, but are filled with astonishment when you enter. You find yourself in a porch which runs into the body of the church and opens into the nave. Here are the usual holy water vessels and confessional chairs. The nave of the church is an open court, bounded on the right side by rough rocks, on the left by a continuation of the porch. It is protected by projecting slabs of stone to let the rainwater run off. A little fountain stands near the center. The cave itself is metamorphosed into a choir without altering in the least its rough natural form. Several steps lead up to it. The great desk with the choir book stands opposite the choir seats on each side. The whole is lighter by the daylight falling from the court or nave. Far back in the darkness of the cave stands the high altar in the center. As I have mentioned already, the cave has not been altered, but as the rocks are always dropping with water, it was necessary to adopt some means to keep the place dry. This is done by means of leaden gutters, led along the edges of the rocks, and united with each other at various points. These being broad above and running to a point on the underside and painted of a dull green, it looks as if the whole interior of the cave were grown over with huge plants of Indian fig. The water is partly let off at the sides, and partly runs back into a clear reservoir, whence it is drawn by the devout and used as a remedy for every kind of evil. Whilst I was examining these objects, a priest came up to me and asked if I were a Genoese and wished to have some masses said. I replied that I had come to Palermo in company with a Genoese, who was coming up tomorrow, it being a holy day, but as one or other of us must stay at home, I had come up today to look about me. He replied that I might use my pleasure, examine whatever I wished, and perform my devotions. He recommended especially to my attention an altar standing on the left hand in the cave as a particularly sacred object, and left me. 
I saw the shimmer of lamps beneath the altar through the openings of a large piece of leafwork of hammered brass. I kneeled down before it and looked through the openings. Within there was still another network of finely woven brass wire, so that the interior was seen as through a veil. By the light of a single quiet lamp, I could distinguish a beautiful lady. She lay as if in a sort of ecstasy, her eyes half closed, her head resting carelessly on her right hand, which was adorned with many rings. I could not look at the image enough. It seemed to have an altogether peculiar charm. Her garment is made of gilded metal, imitating admirably the effect of cloth of gold. The head and hands are of white marble. I would not venture to say, in a high style, but so naturally and agreeably represented, that you expect to see breath and motion. A little angel stands near her, and seems to wave a lily stalk as if to fan her. Meantime the priests have come into the cave, and taken their seats, and were singing the vesper. I sat down on a bench opposite the altar and listened for a while. Then I betook myself again to the altar, kneeled down, and tried once more to get a clearer view of the image of the saint, and gave myself up to the charming illusion of the figure and the place. The song of the priest died out in the cave, harmonizing with the water trickling into the reservoir close by the altar. The overhanging rocks of the court and of the nave of the church shut in the scene. There was a great stillness in this, as it were a second-time deserted desert, a great purity in a wild cavern. The tinsel of the Catholic, and especially the Sicilian worship, was here nearly in its original simplicity. The illusion that the form of the beautiful sleeper produced was enchanting even to a practiced eye. Enough! I was hardly able to tear myself from the place, and it was late in the night when I got back to Palermo. I have often since been amused in thinking of it, and was willing to ascribe the pleasure I experienced rather to my pleasant frame of mind and several glasses of good Sicilian wine than to the objects themselves. But for my justification, I found in the Voyage Pittoresque de la Cicelle the following passage. La statue est de bronze d'or, avec les mains et la tête en marbre blanc, raise si parfaitement sculpté, et donne une position si naturelle que tant serait tante de la croire vivante. So that, according to this testimony, I need not be ashamed of the lively impression produced upon me by this image. By the side of the church and of the little cloister built beside and connected with it, there are also some other caves of about the same size, which the goat herds make use of as a natural stable for the shelter of their goats. End of section 22. Recording by Beth Blakely.